What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murders. everybody to another episode of speaking of murders and welcome to the new listeners before we get started on today's episode we got a little bit of business to cover we have another show speaking of missing persons if you like this you'll probably like that so make sure you're going and checking that out uh we also have a patreon where we're putting out bonus episodes every other saturday that's linked in the show notes check that out so you don't miss any of those and uh don't forget to hit the follow button so you're not missing any of our weekly uploads on this show or on the missing persons show and leave us five stars wherever you're listening so if you want to see pictures associated with today's episode those are on our socials you can find those linked in the show notes instagram facebook and uh if you have a case that you want to hear on the show send that over to our email speaking of murders at gmail.com so sarah is continuing our story today we have the third installment of Gary Ridgeway, the Green River Killer, right? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. So where did we leave off at? So we kind of left off with the ta- like investigators from the task force going to talk to Ted Bundy, getting his insight into the mind of a serial killer. And then promptly throwing it in the garbage? Well, yeah, because even though it was all helpful, it, they couldn't really do anything with it. Because they weren't finding fresh bodies. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We had a bunch of different dump sites and nobody knew when, what bodies were going where and all that kind of business. Exactly. And today is not going to be any different, people. Sweet. We also kind of talked about the uh, Kimmy Kai Pitzer. She was one of the girls that went missing and her boyfriend actually saw her in a truck okay if that rings a bell yeah yeah okay investigators showed her boyfriend a photo lineup at this time and he picked gary ridgeway the problem was he couldn't be 100 percent sure he was like 90 percent sure it was gary ridgeway well that's still over 50 percent i mean i would say that's probably at least good enough to bring him in to talk to the guy The other problem they were having was that the truck that her boyfriend was describing, Gary did not own a pickup truck that looked like that at the time. So they were like, "Mm, is it really him or is it not him? He doesn't have a truck that looks like that. And you're like not 100% sure. So it kind of went nowhere. Of course it did. Two other bodies were found in the same area as Kimmy Kai, which was the Mount View Cemetery location. Um, which side of the airport was that on? That was, like, not by the airport. Oh, well, okay. it was, but it was the site where it was, like, the drop-off hill oh, and, like, okay. super wooded, and yep. there's a cemetery not far from it. 
I remember now. Right. Both of those other girls are, they've never been identified. So one is named, it goes by Jane Doe B16, and the other one is B17. A forensic anthropologist exam revealed that Jane Doe B16 was a black female between the age of 20 to 25 and between 5 foot 1 and 5 foot 4. Her body was laying along a large fallen log. So, like, it almost made it look like he just rolled her down the hill and she stopped at the log kind of a deal. That sounds like some shit he would do from what I've gathered. Jane Doe B-17 was laying at the foot of a very large rotten stump on the peak of the of a ridge she is described as a caucasian female between the ages of 14 to 17 and being between five foot four and five foot eight when asked about these women later gary claimed not to remember anything except that he killed one before kimmy and one after he did remember that he put two bodies near each other and then one further away So the two Jane Does were found right next to each other, and then Kimmy's body was further away from theirs. So that all lines up then? Yep. The victim that should have really sealed Gary's fate was a girl named Mary Mulver. She was 18 and lived in Des Moines. She was working on April 30th, 1983 on the Pack Highway. Her boyfriend also saw her getting into a dark-colored pickup truck with an adult male driver. This happened near the 7-Eleven at South 216th at a bus stop, which is where a lot of his victims went missing, is this bus stop. Well, the same bus stop? Yes. Oh. Because he used to pretty much hang out at that 7-Eleven. Seriously? Yeah. When she got into the truck, her boyfriend followed the truck as it traveled northbound. It then pulled into a motel parking lot, turned around, and headed southbound on the Pack Highway. The truck then turned left, going eastbound on 216th Street. Her boyfriend lost the truck at the intersection. At the time, Gary was living one block south of 216th street off of a road called military road uh mary was not reported missing by her boyfriend though for three days and when he did he initially lied to them saying he last saw her leaving their house to go to a phone booth on the pack highway but the next day he told the police the truth He described the male as a 42-year-old, he said Mexican or Indian male, which is not Mm. really Gary at all. No, it's not accurate. Driving a black pickup truck. He also said that he drove through the neighborhoods and found the truck parked in front of a house. So he took police to this house that he saw this truck. Okay. Was it Gary's house? It was Gary's house. Two detectives went to the home of Gary Ridgway and saw the truck in the driveway. Gary came outside to talk to them. He admitted 
to them that he had been arrested before for picking up sex workers but said he had nothing to do with marie's is it marie or mary marie it's marie sorry it's marie marie's disappearance that was pretty much the end of the conversation he said i didn't have anything to do with it they said okay seriously cool 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 you're what the fuck (laughs) oh you didn't cool all right have a good one See like, what the actual fuck? Yeah. Okay. On May 27th, 1983, an airport employee found Marie's driver's license at the SeaTac airport, which led people to believe that she left Washington. Tips even came in that she was seen in Hawaii and California. Even her family believed she was still alive and had just left the area because of this driver's license being found um that is until 2003 when gary confessed to her murder he said he killed her in his house right after he took her he said she fought hard and even scratched him deeply on his left arm Gary said when the detectives came to his house that day in May, he was extremely nervous about the scratches, so he stood against the fence while he talked to them. And then later that day, he burned his arm with battery acid to try to hide the scratches. Wow, she must have really got into him good. Yeah, he still has the scars to this day from the battery acid and her scratching him. Good. He also admitted that he took Marie's driver's license to the airport to throw off the investigation, and it worked. Mm. He so this is the she was the first one he took to his house, though, right? Not technically. We don't really know for sure who he took to his house and who he didn't, because quite a bit of them he took to his house. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. That's the thing, like... It's hard to say. Like, a lot of the ones we've talked about so far, he killed where their bodies were. But, like, the three girls in that cemetery area, he doesn't say whether he killed them there or at his house. Gotcha. Gary dumped Marie's body the same night he killed her. His plan was to take her to the Mountain View Cemetery site. But he found what he called a better place which was a wooded ravine near 65th Avenue South in Auburn, which, like I said, they had no idea he even killed her until he confessed to it in 2003, so her body was not found until after he confessed, and it took investigators two days in 2003, and they found more than 60 human bones in that area including her skull a pair of women's pantyhose were found near several of her neck vertebrae and dental records confirmed it was marie mulver so she was missing for 20 years yes. before her body was found Holy yeah shit. and he took them to her exact spot these places were like in like such a secluded area that they when he started confessing they would just take him to the area and he would take them exactly where they needed to go after 20 years like i said in the last episode like most of these victims were in sites together 
in the early 80s is when the majority of Gary's victims' remains were found. There was another dump site back then that they called Highway 410 because it was off Highway 410. They didn't, I mean, it wasn't. Right. Three women were found along this short royal stretch of highway by the task force. They were 18-year-old Martina Authorly, 26-year-old Debbie May Abernathy, and Mary Sue Bello, which I think she was 17 or 19. She might have been 19. Uh, Mary had called the task force numerous times before her disappearance with possible suspects for the Green River Killer. And unfortunately, she did not recognize that Gary was actually the killer when he picked her up on October 11th, 1983. It just, it blows my mind that so many of these roads lead back to Gary Ridgeway. Like, they've ended up at his house, he's been picked out of lineups... There's just so much that ties him to things, but no one was piecing this together at the time. Right. It was like they were just like, I don't know, like fucking ignoring it, it well, feels like. I just imagine at it. First, I don't know. At first, they were I not just, really ignoring it. They didn't have anything to like concretely link him. Well, I just picture a detective at the time going, God dang, this... <laughs> This guy keeps coming up, and it's really annoying because we already know it's not him. Why does he keep turning up in the middle of this investigation? Ugh. What was actually <laughs> happening is Dave Riker was saying, I know it's Gary Ridgway, but they had nothing to pin it on Gary Ridgway. I know. They had no definitive Right. It 100% was just a lot of people. Clear-cut proof. Yeah, people saying, I saw him. Yeah. That's the of- guy I saw. A lot of, what's the word I'm looking for? Circumstantial. Thank you. Circumstantial evidence. Right. But nothing that's like factual. This is 100%. We know he fucking did this. Exactly. It's frustrating. Very frustrating. And the the question comes to mind of, was he really that good or were the cops there dumb? No, he was really that good. It's insane. Yeah, it seems like it... He's, he, he's unlike most serial killers because i mean i'll give you a little bit here into the fourth part he keeps nothing that belongs to any victim he has no trophies because he doesn't his trophies technically are the area where they he dumped them because that's what he goes back to he goes back to the sites to relive the crime he doesn't keep anything to relive the crime in his own house. But really his own house is a place where he's murdering quite a few of them, so just being in his house. But he can get rid of all evidence. Anytime they ever searched his house or talked to him, he came across as like this great guy, this down-to-earth guy that like had a quote-unquote normal home life and the same job for 30 years. They gave him really no... He gave them no reason to question him beyond people saying they saw him at this place at this time. And every time he would say, oh yeah, I pick up sex workers, but that doesn't mean I'm a killer. Lots Mm. of people pick up sex workers. And since they couldn't like, well, he's not wrong because obviously they have... (laughs) 
hundreds of other dudes that they're looking into that also pick up sex workers. Yeah. It's like a booming business back then. Well, I didn't mean to sidetrack you. I just was thinking about that. Like, what the fuck is going on? It's a lot. (laughs) Like, and the fact that we're going to learn also that he's not a very intelligent guy makes it even harder to believe. It's just (laughs) instinctual, I guess, then. I don't know. Well, we were talking about Mary Bello. She was found. This one is Mary. Oh, okay. Different girl. Gotcha. Different girl. She was taken on October 11th, 1983. She was found October 12th, 1984. So exactly a year later by mushroom pickers. Then three more women would be found in the same area, but years later. Again, it was when he started confessing. Their bodies had been there 20 years. Uh, One was a 16-year-old girl named Pammy Avent. She went missing October 26, 1983, so a couple weeks after Mary. Then there was a 21-year-old girl named Roberta Hayes. She was last seen on February 7th, 1987. So this is like, wait a minute. He Every other one has been 82, 83, 84. This is the first one in 1987. Her remains were found by Washington State Park employees. And the last woman found in that area was 36-year-old Marta Reeves. And she was last seen by her husband on either March 5th or March 6th of 1990. Oh, damn. He did not report her missing right away, though. Oh, well, that's... Okay, that's odd. Yeah. He received Marta's driver's license in the mail about a month after she went missing. And he used it to show people around town while he looked for her by herself, by himself. And he did not actually report her missing till uh, April 13th, 1990. So over a month after she had been missing. Okay. Her skeleton was found by a couple of mushroom pickers as well on September 20th, 1990. Gary admitted to killing her and mailing her driver's license to her husband. For no real reason. He just was like, "Mm, I decided to mail her driver's license back to her husband. He's so weird. So throughout the years of him killing these women, he tried different ways to throw police off of his trail. We talked about the driver's license he took to the airport and the one he mailed back. But it kind of goes deeper than that. There are two women that he killed in Washington. One was named Denise Bush. She was 23 years old. And then the other was Shirley Sherell, and she was 18. He killed them in Washington. And then dumped their bodies in Tigard, Oregon. Okay, so now he's jumping states. Denise disappeared on October 8th, 1982 from Pack Highway South. She was staying at the Moonrise Hotel, which was located across the street from that bus stop that Gary picked up quite a few of his victims. Denise left the motel to get a pack of cigarettes and was never seen again. 
on this same day, Gary had taken off work because he was having an eye issue and he got $26 worth of gas at a gas station near the Moonrise Motel, which these are things they find out, obviously, in 2001 to 2003, okay. like... Way later. Way later. They're like, what the hell? He's He was off work this day. He was right in that area. Her skull was found in Oregon by construction workers in June of 1985. After securing the scene, police allowed the crew to continue working. Seriously? Yep. And then they found her pelvis and her femur once they started working again. A few days later, they found remains that turned out to be Shirley Shirell. Gary would later tell investigators that he killed Denise and came back later and moved some of her remains to Tigard. He claimed to have moved both of their remains in 1984. He did this while taking his son on a camping trip to Oregon. He only used cash on this trip and said he was careful not to link himself to Oregon in any way. Oh my God. So like I said, he's smart, but he's not smart. Shirley worked at Goodwill and also as a sex worker. She was last seen between October 20th and 22nd of 1982, so he killed them not Not long in between. Her pimp told police he had dropped her off in the morning in the uh, International District, and another sex worker saw Shirley talking to two white men in a truck, but she left on her own date, and when she got back, Shirley was gone. Gary said he originally left her body in King County, Washington, but came back and took her skull and some other bones to Oregon. Most of her remains were found in Oregon. I wonder, did Ted Bundy and Gary Ridgway ever cross paths or use any of the same dump sites? No, by the time Gary Ridgway started to kill, Ted Bundy was in prison. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That's right, because he went to prison in, what, 79? Yeah. Gotcha. And Gary Ridgway started killing in 1982. So three years later. Yeah. They, Washington really didn't get a break in between these two serial killers. Gary liked to use I-90 as a place to dump his victims as well and had multiple locations along this interstate that he used at the same time. One of those spots was I-90 and Highway 18. Three victims were found around this location, and Gary admitted to killing these women in a two-month time span of each other. They were 21-year-old Tina Thompson, 17-year-old April Buttram, and 19-year-old Marion Finney. Tina and Marion's remains were found in the 80s across the street from each other. And... April's remains were not found until 2003 when Gary led detectives to her body after confessing to her murder. Because what we're also going to learn is the reason he's confessing to these murders of women that they haven't found. So he can go back to the gravesite? No. Is because they do something with Gary Ridgway that Ted Bundy was begging for. And that was the plea deal. Oh, keep him alive and he'll continue to turn over victims. Right, except their deal with Gary Ridgway, which we'll talk about more in 
part four is that they tell him that if he doesn't confess to everything he's done in as much detail as he can remember, then if they find other bodies that are linked to him later, he will be tried for that murder and given the death penalty. So his plea deal for the 49 women he was convicted of would pretty much be null and void. So they're like, it's in your best interest to confess to as many of these as you can, because if we find one that you didn't tell the truth about... It's automatic death penalty. We're going after the death penalty. Which they should have just done in the first place. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Tina disappeared on Monday, July 25th, 1983. She was staying at the Spruce Motel off the Pacific Highway South. Later, another sex worker would tell investigators that their pimp talked to Tina early that morning, but could not find her later that day. Tina was never reported missing, so when her remains were found April 20th, 1984, near Highway 18 and Interstate 90, it would take the task force a long time to identify her. She was found completely naked and wrapped in sheets of plastic. Gary could not remember Tina. Even when he was shown a photo of her, he could not even tell investigators where he killed her. He thought she might be a woman he was trying to strangle in his bedroom that got away from him momentarily. He said he believed she was the one that got out of his room and then he strangled her by the front door as she was trying to escape. But he couldn't be sure. It just blows my mind. There's so much murder that's gone on. That he's like, I I don't know. I don't remember. I know, but he can take you to the exact spot where he put their body or explain it in exact detail. Gary did, like I just said, remember where he dumped her body. He said he put her there at nighttime. April had just moved to Seattle from Spokane in July of 1983 and became a victim of the Green River Killer a month later. Her mom reported her missing in March of 1984, and even though investigators received tips that April was still alive, they had, and that they had seen her in Tacoma or even as far as California, the task force was like, no, we're adding her to the victim list, and they were right. When they interviewed him in 2003, he was like, oh, I can take you to her body. He told them he picked her up on Rainer Avenue, which was the last place she was seen alive. He took them to the site where he dumped her, but all that was ever found was two of April's bones during their search of this location. The third girl, Marion, had also just moved to Seattle from Bellevue when she went missing in August of 83. She worked at a daycare, but when she moved to Seattle, people said she changed drastic, drastically. And at the time, she was dating this new guy, and he told investigators that Marion was working as a sex worker, but that he didn't, <clears throat> he didn't know any of the details about it. He reported her missing September 28th when she did not come back to her apartment. Now, on... 
September 27th at around 3.20 p.m., they would later find out that Gary had left work that day at that time and returned to work the next day and Marion went missing on the 27th. So later they're like, okay, you took off work early that day and this girl went missing that day. Mm, I don't think that's coincidence. Marion would not be found until almost three years later when an employee for the juvenile detention center was looking for an escapee and stumbled upon her remains on the west side of Highway 18, not far from where it intersects with I-90. Again, Gary told investigators about killing Marie, Marion. Why, why do I have such a hard time with M names? Well, at least what he could remember about it, which was very little. But again, he took investigators to the exact spot where he dumped her body. Also off I-90 and exit 38, there were three more women found. So he puts them in groups of three. Wherever, a lot of times. Wherever it is, these new dump sites, it's always in groups of three. A lot of times, yeah, it's a group of three. Sometimes there's four. But if there's a fourth one, it seems the fourth one is in that area, but further away, if right. that makes sense. In this spot, which when I... It, the exit ramp is... Oh, it, just straight off the highway. Two of them are found right off the exit ramp. That's a open the door and kick them out type of thing? Pretty much. Jeez. The, these three women were 22-year-old Delise Plager... 21-year-old Kim Nelson and 19-year-old Lisa Yates. Both Delise and Lisa were found right, like I said, off the exit on opposite sides of the road. And he did not just kick them out. He put them both in between two logs. Like on both sides of the road, their bodies were hidden down in between two logs that had looked like they fell off a log truck. So basically he got off the highway on a ramp, put one, and then got back on the highway, was taking the ramp to get back on the highway and put the other. Well, no, because he didn't take them at the same time. I was just saying that's how it looks. Delise had disappeared on October 30th, 1983 at around 3 p.m. She was dropped off at the bus stop, so she could go buy her kid, her friend's kid, a Halloween costume. And she was never seen again. If you are going to drive someone to the bus stop, just drive them to the destination. This took place on a day when Gary was off work. Her remains were found five months later. Delise's friend reported her missing in April of 1984 because she believed she was a victim of the Green River Killer, and she was right. So she went missing in October and was not reported missing until April. Jesus, what is with these people? Like, what I don't understand. All of these friends, boyfriends, pimps, family members, they're... I don't get it. They just don't want police involved in their lives, I guess. Well, that's showing a hell of a lot of concern for their loved one that's gone missing. Oh, I know. I don't know. It's just weird to me. I know. It's extremely weird that you would wait 
that every what is that october november december january february march april that's six months you waited to report this girl missing when you knew she was going to get your kid your kid a halloween costume i get it she's a known sex worker but still yeah who cares i would i feel like that would make you report them missing sooner Especially at this time, because this was all over the news. Like, the police were telling sex workers, like, leave. Hey, stop being a sex worker here. Yeah, pretty much. They were like, leave. Go be a sex worker in another state. Or just find a different career path. But Well, sometimes they couldn't. And I understand that. Anyway, I just, all of these people getting reported missing a month later, six months later, a year later, is very fucking weird. I don't know. It is. Maybe they just thought that sex workers were flaky and... Well, this this woman was like on her way to a store, like her, her friend knew she was. Yeah, but I don't know. Anyway. In his interviews, Gary said... The day that he dumped Delise, it was raining, and he was in a hurry, so he dumped her in this location between two logs and left really fast. But he came back later to have sex with her body, because he couldn't do it that day, because it was raining. I'm assuming this part of the highway, if it was right off of a exit ramp, was not used very often? I have no idea. Or if these logs are just that big that people couldn't see you, no one saw their bodies for months and months. Okay. Gary told investigators that he was very angry during this time. And he killed Delise, Kim, and Lisa because his job of so long, Kenworth, had switched his hours from the day shift to the night shift. So he was pissed. And he picked up Kim... Just two days after killing Delise, and she stood out to him more than the other women he had killed because she was almost six feet tall and had short bleach blonde hair. She had just been released from the King County Jail on the day that Delise went missing. So on October 30th, she had just got out of jail on charges of being a prostitute. And then she vanished on November 1st at around 11 a.m. near a bus stop. She was there with her new roommate and fellow sex worker, Paige Miley. Paige quickly, once they got to this bus stop, got a client and went to do what they called a car date. When she returned a little bit later, Kim was gone, so she just assumed she was on her own car date. But a couple nights went by, and she still hadn't seen her. Not really knowing what to do, she went out and decided to work in a different part of the Pack Highway. And a man pulled up to her and asked her for a date. He asked her where her tall blonde friend was. This made Paige very uncomfortable because the day Kim disappeared was the first time they had ever worked together on the Pack Highway, and they were only standing next to each other for a couple minutes. So she was like, how does this dude know about my friend that, like, I, we were together for, like, two to five minutes. This made her believe that this guy 
had taken Kim and that he might be the Green River Killer. So she refused to go with him. She's like, nope, don't need a date. Not interested. And then she went to the police a few days later and reported her friend missing um, and then told them about this man. So she's like, my friend Kim was there one minute, gone the next. I haven't seen her since. And this dude tried to pick me up. She said he was a white man in his late 20s or early 30s with brown hair and a mustache. She said he was driving a red pickup truck with a flat white canopy over the bed. So what do they do? Go question Gary in April of 1984 about his involvement with sex workers on Pacific Highway South. He willingly admitted to them that he had seen Kim. And spoke to Paige, but said Paige was the one that brought up her friend going missing and believing that she had been taken by the Green River Killer. So he said he, like, that girl just totally, like, bombarded me with this, I think my friend was kidnapped by the Green River Killer thing. And this seemed to be the end of the conversation. Of course it was. Of course. Yeah. Of course it was. Yeah. Kim's skull... And a few other bones were found in June of 1986, so two years after she went missing, in a very wooded area off I-90 and exit 38. So she wasn't just right off the exit. With her, he actually drove her down this, like, dirt road kind of thing. So, again, like we say, there's, like, two right together, one further away. It's a weird thing he has going. All of the victims we have talked about so far were found in locations with other women nearby. This was not always the case, though. Some of the Green River Killer's victims were found with no other bodies nearby. One of those victims was a woman named uh, Carol Christensen. She was 21 years old. She was a waitress on the SeaTac Strip at a place called the Barn Door Tavern. On May 3rd, 1983, she was supposed to work a double shift, so she took a break at 2.30, and she never showed back up for her night shift and was never seen again, alive. She was, her body was found five days later on May 8th, so this is the freshest body they have. Yeah. But he never dumped anyone anywhere near her. So, like... The broadcast of, oh, we found this body within five days made him go, "Mm, I'm not going to put anybody else in that spot then. Oh, they like... It got leaked. Of course it did. (sighs) The media on this one, too, is like, are, are you trying to cover tracks for him? Like, are you trying to keep him hidden? Well, there's a reason why this one got linked because it doesn't really follow his mo so she was found in a wooded area in a place called maple valley but she was not like his other victims she was one not known to be a sex worker at all but she some people said she did hitchhike so that could possibly be how she ended up in his car when carol's body was found she was fully dressed And her body was posed on her back with two trout placed 
like across her upper body. There was an empty bottle of wine laying across her stomach, and in her hands, she was holding onto a large sausage. That's just what? Why? Like a kielbasa? Yeah, like a big sausage. Weird. Uh, What? So so nobody thought this was his. I can understand why. Right. Yeah, it it, it doesn't resemble anything he would ever do. And why did he? do oh okay what i'll tell you you want you want to know you want to know i'll tell (laughs) you she had been strangled with a ligature it took investigators until 2001 to link her murder to gary ridgeway so all the way up until he was captured right you know how they found out that she was his victim because they recovered semen from her body from 1983 and held on to it and she's one of the four victims that was linked to him that got him arrested in 2001 seriously yep but why the why the fish and the oh, sausage we're gonna talk about it he tells us all about it you know because he's a chatterbox he claimed later in his confessions that he posed her this way to throw off police and that he left the items he left with her body for no real reason other than he had them in his house and they had no value to him. So, uh, what? so, so okay. this guy just really likes to try to throw off the cop's scent. It sounds like he is playing uh, puppets with them. Like he, These are just things that he, he's like, you know what, this looks fun and funny. Let's do it. Yeah, if it feels like that one specifically feels like, well, I hold on. I'm assuming she was killed at his home if he grabbed yes. random things from his house and he was just like on his way out the door and he's like, uh, mm, we need two fish, an empty bottle of wine. What and do I have? What do I have that I can maybe take with me? And it's just like rummaging through his kitchen fucking cabinets and it's like i got some trout i have some sausage there's a bottle of wine why not yeah and remember he had to have gone through the trouble also of redressing her which he had never done he usually left them naked with no sign of their any of their belongings but he redressed her now i will say in a documentary that i watched people said that he would never admit it, but that this that was a personal kill to him. It was rumored that they dated. I was gonna say it also felt like the items that were there with her, like they like were a, on, on a, a date. date. Yeah. And he just fucking swooped them up Even and her, grabbed them to take with him. In some of the things that you'll watch, her daughter even claims that they dated, but her daughter was like young, young like really young so uh, yeah it seems personal like she could have went with him willingly or had been seeing him regularly before she died and like broke up with him or something and he was just like i'll just make you like one of my other victims but you know we'll throw off police not throw him off he didn't want anyone to see her naked well he he threw them off because they didn't even know it was his murder. I get that, but I don't think that that was his intention. I think that he, if it was a personal kill, he was like, I don't want her to be seen naked when she's found. 
who knows? I don't think he had that much common sense. Yeah, or compassion, obviously. Yeah. Well, that's pretty normal for an actual serial killer that if they feel guilty about the murder they committed, they'll hide the bodies. They'll cover them in some way. Okay. Well, another important woman in this ordeal was a girl named Rebecca I can't say her last name. It's G U A Y. Guy? Guy? Guay? Guay? She is the only victim of Gary Ridgway to ever survive. She reported him to the task force in December of 1984. Seriously? Yep. She told investigators she believed Gary was the prostitute killer because he had. She had been attacked by him in November of 1982 while she was hitchhiking on the Pack Highway. Rebecca said that Gary picked her up in his truck and she asked him if he was dating and offered him a blowjob for $20. He agreed, so she led him to a secluded area on 204th Street. She said she flat out asked him on the drive if he was the Green River Killer. And, of course, he said he wasn't. And to try to make her more comfortable, he showed her some items in his wallet, including a picture of his son and his ID card from Kenworth. And Gary told Rebecca to go into the woods for their rendezvous. And she did. He pulled down his pants, and she knelt in front of him, but just like he's said before, he couldn't get an erection. Now, at this point, out of nowhere, he accused her of biting his penis, like he did with another victim. He said she bit him in the penis. So he knocks her to the ground, pushed her face into the dirt, and put her into a police-style chokehold. Somehow, she managed to struggle and break free from him, and she took off running. And she saw a trailer in the distance. Initially, he chased her, but gave up and let her keep going. And what good for her. Mm -hmm. She did not come forward, though, in 1982 because of what she was doing in the woods with him. She didn't want to get in trouble for prostitution. Yeah, but if she would have came forward a lot sooner. Yeah, I know. Well, it doesn't necessarily guarantee anything. No, because look at all the other people who came forward that That's it meant true. nothing. So, she decided to come forward in 1984 because she 100% believed he was the Green River Killer. And she's like, I can't deal with this on my conscience anymore. I mean, two years is a long time to live with that. And her description led police to Gary. She even picked him out of a photo lineup. Gary was uh, contacted in February 1985 by a member of the task force. And Gary told that detective that, yeah, he dated Rebecca and choked her out of reflex because she bit his penis. You know what, Bobby? I think they are. They were standing in the police, uh, like the, they were standing in a room together, going, "Man, this Gary, he just keeps coming up, and I wish he wouldn't." It we know it's comes not up him. Gary, he, he keeps saying it's not him. We just can't bring him in. We need, we need more on Gary. 
Well, that's when you start this following detective, this detective claimed that Rebecca didn't want to pursue the case, which was not true. So it was dropped. The fuck. And in he 2003, Gary admitted to trying to kill her and said her story was pretty much true, except for the fact that they were going into the woods to have sex and she backed out, which he said that about another girl also. He was never charged with her attempted murder because of the statute of limitations. In 1987, Gary was becoming a very promising suspect to the task force. Oh, just now? Uh, that it took well, that Well, I mean, I feel like you got to think, though. They have a hundred other suspects yeah. that I'm sure people are saying, yeah, I've seen this dude around a lot. He's picked up a lot of women. Like, Gary is, I'm sure, not the only one that's came up multiple times to them. Yeah. Well, like I said, they were really focusing on Gary in 1987. So they decided to bring Paige back in and show her a photo lineup again. And she immediately picked Gary as the guy who approached her in 1983. Okay, so how many is that now that has picked him out of a At least three lineup? or four. Investigators went back to Gary. They This time, they have a search warrant for his house his vehicles, and his locker at work. They found nothing that could tie him to the murders. Of course, because he keeps nothing, leaves nothing. What they did do that would prove to be very useful was take hair and saliva samples from him. It was part of their search warrant. But unfortunately, it did not help them in 1987, and it would take a long time to prove that Gary was the man that was the Green River Killer. So next time, I'm going to tell you all about Gary Ridgway. Fuck Gary Ridgway. All right. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, let us know wherever you're listening. Leave us five stars. Leave a review. Share it with your friends, your family, coworkers, whoever. And uh, does anyone have any final thoughts? Nope. I don't even know. I don't know anymore. (laughs) All right. We'll see y'all back next week. Bye. 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 Bye.